Hello, my, my name is uh, Zach, and I never listened to I Doubt It with, with Dalamar. My girlfriend, Emma, from Minnesota, is, is making me do this. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, everybody. Thank you and welcome to the show, episode 349 of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your handy dandy host, Jesse Dalamore. Sitting across from me, the surefire thrower of pens, Brittany Page. Just helping you out. <laughs> Last minute pen. Last second pen transfer. Yeah. So let's talk. How's that for a segue? Let's talk about <laughs> the event at Cal State University Fullerton that we just put on on Thursday. Mm-hmm. We released the audio as a bonus episode. We did. Um, and then also I went through and m- did some multicam editing. Yes. Which I, I'm kind of enjoying. Mm-hmm. Expanding my my Adobe Premiere prowess, mm-hmm. which doesn't take much because I'm not very good at it. So anyway, it, so there's a video on YouTube as well. But we wanted to kind of give you the, the behind the scenes flavor of what went on that night. Yeah. And I guess we should start with... Um Dr. Navrick throwing some shade my way um, because he heard me talking about Arrowhead water on the previous episode. (laughs) Right. And he was the one that requested the Arrowhead. I didn't name him at first, but then he threw some shade my way in this uh, email. So now it has to be named. Um, (laughs) I was on my way to the event and I checked my email And I had an email from him and it was just talking about kind of the details of the event, things that were going on. And then at the very end, the last line, it said, quote, Arrowhead water isn't sweet. It's smooth. Right. Just a fact check. Right. Fact check. Because you are a a water snob. I am. Yeah. Well, I don't know how well we communicated because I talked to him later that night, like joking around about it. Mm -hmm. And I think the impression he got was that we were talking about how we we were put out that there was so much water in the back of the trunk. I'm like, no, that oh, wasn't no, no, that no. wasn't at all what we were talking about. No. Arrowhead just- is a running joke on the show. Right. That that's <laughs> <laughs> So it's kind of difficult if you haven't heard us talk about it before. You can't look at the snapshot and no. not know that it's it's part of a larger tapestry, a collage if you will. Yes. of jokes about what I think is just as good as Aquafina, uh-huh. and you think that's sacrilege. Yeah. Arrowhead. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by Arrowhead Water. <laughs> Sweet and smooth. Oh. <laughs> no, just smooth. Just smooth. Yeah. So it it went really well. I, I think we didn't know what to expect because we had booked the theater, and it was a lot of emailing and calling and not necessarily being on the scene. We did go check out the venue in person one time, yeah. but we didn't know how it would officially be set up, right? We just kind of requested the things and then they were laid out for us once we got there. Yeah. And we ended up having the issues with the microphones. Let me, here's the deal. Uh, I'm unhappy with how the thing transpired overall because of the, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. 
too many moving parts. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like the microphones went dead. That's eh, that's a technical thing that kind of happens, but they locked the sound room. So we had these red lights shining on the people. We couldn't find anybody to turn them off. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Too many moving parts. Yeah, and we couldn't find staff to help us because it was later yeah. in the day and yeah. probably no one was uh, wanting to work the event So <laughs> at 7.30 p.m. after working all day. So we had the mics go dead during the event, and, and if you didn't listen to the bonus episode, you didn't hear us talk about it. So kind of juggling the microphones and... That was a little difficult, um, but overall, I think it went really well. Yeah, me too. I mean, I don't mean to, you know, I'm focused on the, the bad stuff because it really threw a, a kink, but some of the stuff was my own because we've never done anything like this. Yeah, for sure. Like I didn't have, you, it, it's kind of like when we go out, like when we went to the tax march and we have uh, Taylor, our our awesome, trusty, loyal, giving of his time, talented cameraman yep. with us. Um, when we went out to the uh, inauguration protest, it was just you and me. And I realized right away, we need an extra body or two. You can't have a production team of me carrying a bunch of batteries and and everything and trying to talk. And it's just too much going on. Yeah. And so this was another one of those things. Even the 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 many volunteers that we had to help us out. Yeah. You, Everybody needs their specific thing because, like, I forgot to turn on the stupid mics and get... It was just a learning experience. Yeah, that's... Learning experience. That's one way to put it. I think it was also a learning experience related to the time structure, too, which we went back and forth with all the panelists kind of discussing what they thought would be the best in terms of structuring the night and how the opening statements should go, how the exchanges between them should go. And we ultimately settled on what you'll see or listen to in the podcast or the YouTube video. And I think that that could have been tweaked as well. I liked, uh, I liked my original way. Now knowing, <laughs> now knowing the way that it went, um, I think it was too much time dedicated to audience questions and mm-hmm. not enough time for exchanges between the panelists on stage because I think that's where a lot of the action happened. Um, so if we were to do something like this again, I think that there would be more emphasis placed on that aspect of the event rather than taking audience questions. Not that the audience questions weren't great. They were. Um, I just think, well, what happens is it ends up being 20 different debates rather than focusing on the one particular topic at hand. Yeah. Because you can't just ask a question. Well, you can, it just doesn't happen that they ask a question and then GTFO. Right turn on their heels and turn and walk away. They sit there and then they want to argue more. They want to yeah. continue to, to bear down, to drill yeah. down on their topic. <laughs> well, and that was another difficult thing about all the mics dying because when that happened, we didn't have a mic. So and I can't say, hey, yeah, it was difficult. you're done. <laughs> it was difficult to jump in when we didn't have a microphone. So yeah. again, these were technical issues, uh, not our fault. <laughs> You're being way too nice. I guess I'm trying to be, for your benefit, I'm trying to be cool about it. Not happy, though. Yeah. So So we appreciate all the kind messages of people reaching out and congratulating us. and um, Even the people who showed up. Yeah. It was was an amazing turnout. There was a lot of listeners there. I even got to meet uh, a YouTube, someone who didn't even know I was going to be there. And was like, ah, what? And I was like, oh, maybe I should have done a video about it on YouTube to let my YouTube audience know. Yeah. 
but it was uh, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Got to meet a lot of good people. Uh, interesting crowd. Uh, engaged. Having a good time crowd. It wasn't a stodgy, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that sound is going to convey, you know, a bunch of Thurston Howell the Thirds. Oh, lovey. Mm. Yeah. We're intellectuals. Yeah. It, they seemed like, you know, normal people. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I have that in my head of the the stodgy, tweedy jacket intellectual who is too above a good time and, you know. Because those people aren't going to enjoy Jesse D. Mm. <laughs> but that, that's probably my own my own uh, insecurity. Mm. <laughs> so, but it was. Uh, thanks everybody for your your messages of support. Uh, those of you who couldn't show up, who um, you know, makes us feel good when people reach out, even you know, while it's happening. Hey, I hope it's going well, you guys. That was uh, yeah. That meant a lot to us. For sure. Pretty great. Oh, oh, okay. There is one thing about these messages that I've been getting that I think is really weird. And it it's almost as though everybody thinks that I, boy, Jesse, you're really, you're, you're doing great in the YouTube thing. And that's what kind of brought this together. I, I want to dispel that right now. I had almost nothing to do with putting together this event with Michael Shermer. And Dr. Ryan Nichols and your thesis advisor, Dr. Douglas Navrick. That's the connection. That's what how this came about. Not because I have all the my tentacles out into this this community. This is you. <laughs> well, you do have the technical uh, ability, and y- yes, I do. You're right. The audience. <laughs> On YouTube. Uh, <laughs> Which I didn't even use. I just, you know, I just said I, I should have done a video. What a dumb guy. <laughs> well, they probably wouldn't have liked that. Yeah. <laughs> they want to see a certain thing from you. Yeah. So. yeah. If I'm not prying Trump's mouth open and taking a dump into it, it's. That's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was saying. I'm glad that you were able to. I have a way with words, Brittany yeah. Page. <laughs> well, exactly. So anyway, I, I guess I'll let me take this moment to thank you for making this happen this could end up being a pretty big deal for us yeah for sure and and future events like this and maybe even getting you know um some new subscribers for the show yeah helping us move the conversation forward yeah for sure i look forward to that but that's that's on you everybody needs to know well now we're now we're overdoing it no i just look i I don't mind i'll take the compliments and the and the bullshit when it's justified but I, it seems weird for me to, oh, yeah, yeah, it's good. I don't know. I'm just being a weirdo, maybe. Okay. Because we both interviewed Dr. Navrick, and he was happy with us both. And so we, together. It, well, that's, this show is a yeah. together thing. Yes. It is us. Yes. <laughs> well, no, I mean, this, is, this is the truth. This show would not be without me. But it equally wouldn't be without you. You you mean you couldn't just rush Limbaugh it? Well, no, I mean, even with another human being sitting in your seat right now. Oh. It wouldn't be the same show. Well, thank you. It, well, I mean, I you shit on me even silently sometimes, like when you're not responding in that awesome, 
it's very well appreciated by the audience and not everybody has that skill. Okay, I'm glad that people know not that... Not everybody can put up with me constantly interrupting you. I'm glad... Not everyone has that ability, Brittany I'm Page. glad that people can... It is a wonderfully <laughs> unique determine. ability that you have. I'm not done interrupting. Hang I, on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad that people can tell when my silence means I'm desperately trying to disassociate myself from whatever it is that you're saying. <laughs> you know what I broke out the other day? Oh, what? Oh! Yes. The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. That's been a long time since yeah. we've heard that. Well, I broke it out. And I figured, you know, we'll dust it off. Maybe use it once or twice if I... I think it... The problem is it encourages me. Yeah. yeah, it encourages <laughs> me to maybe say something uh, inappropriate if I know that's there. Just so you can <laughs> use it. It's like, oh, I've got the button. I can say that. Yeah. But if it's not there, I'm like, oh, I don't want Brittany to be associated with that. All right. This is concerning. <laughs> we have a moral dilemma. Yeah, we do. Where's, uh, where's, where's Doug Navrick when you need him? Help us out with his... Looking up. We could email him. We are going to have him back on the show. So mm -hmm. all those guys, yeah. actually, all of them. Yes. Are individually going to come on the show. Yes. So I guess ultimately go uh, watch it on YouTube. The whole thing is there. And it's also in the bonus episode, just audio. So we love you guys. We appreciate you. And hopefully there's more of this type of thing to come. Let's get into some voicemails before we get on with the show. Hola, persons. John from Pennsylvania here. You know, I know that Trump wants to destroy everything Obama ever did, but I don't need someone who has never served or tried to serve, in fact, went out of his way to not serve, uh, saying anything about the military knowing what they signed up for. My entire family is military. Uh, all five of us, my immediate family, served in the armed forces, and don't thank any of us for our service. It's fine. We signed a contract. It, it was a job. Some of us, it became a calling. Uh, most of us, it's just a job. Calm down. Uh, but of the five, uh, only two got out unscathed for the most part. Uh, the other three, yeah, lifetime of PTSD, uh, uh, debilitating pain, um, you know, and, and that whole waking up screaming in, in the middle of the night thing. I, I gotta say, that's probably makes you question whether or not the juice was worth the squeeze. But it is what it is, and you are where you are, and you deal with reality on reality thing. But Trump's gotta shut the fuck up, is all I'm saying. Just leave it alone, people. That's all I'm saying. Stop. Don't. Frustrating. It is frustrating. Um, Brittany and I have been talking about this a lot over the last several days, and I'm at a loss because when I hear, and we're going to get to this in Dollamocracy, but when I hear Donald Trump and his emissaries Say things like, well, you know, what the, the intended message is. It doesn't matter what the intended message was if it resulted in a deep offense and more tears. It's a call of comfort. 
Not, well, I just told her the truth. That's not what that moment's about. And he failed. Once again, our consoler-in-chief, our communicator-in-chief in moments like this, we have the wrong guy at the helm. We have a blind man driving the car. And he doesn't even know of his deficiencies relative to communication. This greatest negotiator on the face of the planet can't string together coherent thought enough to just thank the widow of a fallen soldier and get off the phone. It has to become something else. So it's a bummer. So there was a part of me that wanted to laugh when he said Donald Trump should just shut the fuck up. Yeah. yeah. But I, I didn't laugh because it's just um, it's a serious issue. And I've heard people saying that this isn't something that we should focus on his response uh, to the widow because this is what we expect of him. So yeah. it's it's no longer a, a relevant conversation. And I I don't think that's useful because that is basically saying, let's just get used to this. And mm-hmm. I think that that is not useful. We, we can't get used to this. We have to continue to be like, wait a minute. That's not how normal people react in this situation. Yeah. That's not how people respond in this situation. Especially a president. Yeah. And we don't want the uh, discourse to continue to erode. We want it to, we want to maintain some sort of standards for the president and everyone else that this is not how people should behave. It seems like surrender to me. You're just accepting our new fate. This is the new normal. And it is not acceptable. This normal isn't going to move forward once we're rid of Donald Trump. So we settling in that like, oh, it's just the way it is. Uh-uh. We should continue to be outraged at all times when it's necessary, when it's uh, justified. And it is consistently justified. So I, I agree. I think that's that's an awesome point. So l- let's move on. W- one more voicemail before we move on to Dalamocracy. And this topic did touch a nerve with people um, as well it should have. Here's another call about Donald Trump's response to Maisha Johnson, the widow of LaDavid Johnson. Good morning, Brittany. Good morning, Jesse. This is Marvin down the 405 from you in sunny Long Beach. And uh, I'm currently paused, but currently listening to the October 19th podcast and um, had to take a break because I'm at the part of where uh, concerning Trump's remarks to the widow of uh, the slain soldier, Sergeant Johnson. And just a quick little story. I'm not going to hammer this one um our 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 president is a is an embarrassment to this country i'll just say that first and foremost two uh i'm a former uh air force i'm vet um but as well i am a uh navy brat my father retired from the navy and he has since uh deceased in uh, 97 but the point i'm getting to with that is uh at the funeral you know, he was presented. Well, my mother was presented uh, with the flag 
and a letter of condolence from then President Clinton. And uh, I guess to, to sum up what I'm trying to say is President Trump would have just been better off taking that form letter of condolence, having somebody stamp his name on um, and then just be done with it. When he opens his mouth, he he just he fucks up. <laughs> Yeah. Plain and simple. Every time he opens his mouth, he fucks up. He should have just left it to the letter and we probably wouldn't be, you know, uh, uh, talking about him and his and his fuck ups like we are now. He He's an embarrassment. That's all I got to say. Thank you for the show. Yeah, I haven't called in in a while, but uh, I still pay attention. Again, this is uh, Marvin from Long Beach. <laughs> Take care. Love y'all both. Peace. So again, <laughs> uh, Marvin's so, the best part. Yes, <laughs> Marvin is fantastic. We have long loved Marvin. He also has a great voice. You, you <laughs> are you? I, I feel I, like you're. Something is happening no. right now. What? What are you? Well, I wasn't gonna do it, but now you made me. He does have a great voice. <laughs> Good morning, Brittany. Good morning, <laughs> Jesse. This is Marvin. Down the 405 from you in sunny Long Beach. And uh, currently... Isn't that right? <laughs> hey, Brittany and Jesse. Up the 405 in Long Beach, California. <laughs> yes. Oh, Marvin. If he doesn't work on, like, the wave yeah. or the thunderstorm or whatever those those smooth jazz yeah <laughs> bits they do on saturday night live and stuff mm-hmm. um he should <laughs> i i think that would be perfect uh maybe but, we need to start a new show with marvin and add it to like the the dollamore empire yeah the Im- empire yeah a second show is an empire yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it's starting it's growing well, listen, uh, to to bring it back down to serious mode, it, it sounds like he's in tune with what we've been saying. Mm-hmm. I agree completely with what he's saying. He's not allowing it to be normal. He's outraged by it. And I hope that this is the response of the vast majority of our audience, not just, yeah, well, it's Trump. What do you expect? Yeah, well, you can expect it and not be surprised by it and still be pissed off about it. Still believe that it is unacceptable and you're not going to stand for it. You're not going to be silent about it. I know that there's a contingent out there that believes that continuing to make a bunch of noise about every little thing is going to uh, mute the reaction from the rest of the country. That it's going to be crying wolf at some point. But it's not. If there's a wolf, even if it's a small wolf, you cry wolf. <laughs> just because he he just used the wrong words and was an idiot yeah, doesn't mean it's not a wolf. Yeah, well, it's also that weird argument of there's more important things to worry about. There's more important things right. to be talking about. Those are big wolves. Yeah, and you, you can care and talk about many different things at the same time. Yeah. In fact, we do that on this show yes. quite often. Yes, we so, do. Um, you can cover different topics. You can address multiple different things. It isn't as though 
his his statement was all that was talked about that day. Yeah. Th- that's not what happened. But people can talk about the statement and feel disturbed by it and continue to address other other aspects of the situation as well. Yeah. All right. Moving on. But before we do, thank you guys for the voicemails very much. We appreciate it. If you, too, would like to sound off, communicate with the show, ask a question, make a statement, this is how you do it. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. Zeke? Zeke! Thank you very much <laughs> for joining our Patreon family. Yes, thank you. Helping us do everything that the voiceover guy, Chris, just said in the Patreon message. Yes. Listen, um, we're going to be talking about this every single episode until Thanksgiving. The Thanksgiving episode. We want your submissions. They're starting to roll in. Yep. We need a whole much more yeah. to make it a successful endeavor. And we have received questions about whether people can write in or if they have to send in a voicemail or voice memo. And you you cannot write in. Yeah, well, um, it, we love it, but it just doesn't fit the format of what we're doing. Yeah, so... If you haven't listened to the episode, again, we recommend that you go back and listen to the past Thanksgiving episodes so you can get a feel for what we're looking for. But if you don't want to go do that, then you what we do is we play all of our listeners, whoever sends us the voice memos, talking about what they're thankful for, one after the other. And it's anonymous, so you aren't hearing someone's name, none of that. It's just someone talking about what they're thankful for and some their are, own life. Yeah, some are very emotional. Um, some are, you know, a little bit more lighthearted. But it's, for me, it's it's my favorite thing we do. It's a beautiful moment on the show. Yeah, so it wouldn't play well if all of a sudden... You're reading someone else's thing. Yeah, it's yeah. it's better to have it come from the heart and come from the person that's talking about their own experience. Um, again, like you said, some of them are very moving. And so that's kind of what we're looking for. So email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubted at dollamore.com or call the number. Uh, voicemails are preferred because the audio is a little better. We, we thank you guys. We love you guys. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, continuing the discussion about LaDavid Johnson and Maisha Johnson and their mistreatment, their maltreatment by the Commander-in-Chief Donald Trump, she was on with George Stephanopoulos this morning talking about this call. There's been a lot of contention. There's been a lot of... uh, Different versions of the event. Donald Trump denies having said what he said. Says he has proof. Multiple times has said he has proof. Has said that Frederica Wilson, if she says it again, you'll find out. You're going to find out about my proof. And uh, up to this point, he has not generated the proof. And he keeps talking 
about Maisha Johnson, about as the widow, the wife, not using her name, which seems a tinge disrespectful to me. Here she is on with George Stepanopoulos talking about this entire thing. There are also a lot of questions about the phone call you received from President Trump. I know you were in a car to the airport. Mm -hmm. Tell us what happened next. Me and my family was in the limo to receive my husband from, I think that was Denver, Dover we went to. Dover. Dover. And we was literally on the airport strip getting ready to get out. And he called Master Sergeant Neil phone. I asked Master Sergeant Neil to put his phone on speaker so my aunt and uncle could hear as well. And he goes on to saying his statement as what he said was... The president. Yes, the president said that he knew what he signed up for, but it hurts anyways. And I was... It made me cry because I was very angry at the the tone of his voice and how he said it. Like he, he, he couldn't remember my husband's name. The only way he remembered my husband's name because he told me he had my husband report in front of him. And that's when he actually said, La David. I heard him stumbling on trying to remember my husband's name. And that was hurting me the most because if my husband is out here fighting for our country and he risked his life for our country, why can't you remember his name? And that would make me upset and cry even more because my husband was an awesome soldier. He did what it take people, other soldiers, like five years to do in three years. So imagine if my husband was here now. He, my, it took my husband three years to make E5. It take other soldiers five to six years just to make an E5. So if he was here now, he would have been on his way to being an E6 or an E7. My husband had high hopes in, in the military career. What did you say to the president? I, I, didn't, I didn't say anything. I just listened. But you were upset when you got off the phone. Oh, very, very upset and hurt. Very. It made me cry even worse. Congresswoman Wilson reported that, and you, you explained she, she was in the car with you. Yes. She's been close to your family for a long time. Yes. Yes. Ms. Wilson, she, my uncle-in-law was Ms. Wilson's elementary school um, principal. And my husband was in her 5,000 role model program. That's why she's well connected with us because she's been in our family since we were since we were little kids. The president said that the congresswoman was lying about the phone call. Whatever Miss Wilson said was not fabricated. What she said was a hundred percent correct. It was. Master Sergeant Neal, me, my aunt, my uncle, and the driver, and Ms. Wilson in a car. The phone was on speakerphone. Why would we fabricate something like that? Is there anything you'd like to say to the president now? No. I don't, nah, I don't have nothing to say to him. So Donald Trump has tweeted, of course, yeah. because he is a child who cannot let things go. And instead of focusing on the escalating crisis with North Korea or uh, tax reform, whatever 
take your pick of important issues. Yeah. He's deciding to continue to fight with a gold star widow. He tweeted, I had a very respectful conversation with the widow of Sergeant David Johnson and spoke his name from beginning without hesitation. Right. He can't just let her grieve. Let her be at peace. Well, this is this is essentially um, calling her a liar because she says that he did not know his name and was not saying his name until apparently he was handed a report in front of him. Right. And then he was kind of stumbling his way through and then found the name and then started saying the name. Yeah. Which... Sounds like something that would happen. Well, it really, it, it points to the level of preparation that this man takes with regard to just about everything. You would think he'd be briefed, go from briefing to phone call. But he's the greatest negotiator on the face of the planet, Brittany. He can wing it. Yeah, I also want to talk about just really quick something he said at the press conference last week when he was being asked about this, when the whole controversy happened with the making the phone calls. Yeah. And he said that... Basically, it's really hard for him to make these phone calls. It's yeah. the hardest thing he has to do. It's really hard on for his day, and it's difficult for him. Oh, boo-hoo. Poor you, Donald Trump. I mean, can you believe that? Yeah. That he <laughs> uh, felt comfortable in front of the press and being broadcast on national television to say that it's hard for him to make a phone call someone who has lost the person that they love the most in this world to um, offer condolences, that it's hard for him. It makes his day hard. Yeah. Really? Well, he dispatched his chief of staff, former General John Kelly, former Marine General John Kelly, to give a press conference because apparently that's what we do now. We don't need a press secretary the chief of staff with his general, Marine general credibility, they have to flaunt him out there, put him out there to to raise the, the reputation profile of the White House. He talked about it at length. We're probably going to start and stop as he goes because he fucked this up. He is a follower. He's not a leader of men. John Kelly is a follower who's being led around by the nose of this petulant child president that we have. I, I, am, I am thankful for his service to our country. I am thankful for his sacrifice, his son having died in combat. But I don't understand what he's doing right now. It makes no sense to me. Some presidents have elected to call. All presidents, I believe, have elected to send letters. Um, if you elect to call a family like this, it is about the most difficult thing you could imagine. There's no perfect way to make that phone call. Uh, when I took this job uh, and talked to President uh, uh, Trump about how to do it, my first recommendation was he not do it. Uh, because it's not the phone call that parents, family members are looking forward to. It's a nice to do, in my opinion, in any event. Uh, he asked me about pre previous presidents, and I said, I can tell you that President Obama, who uh, was my 
Commander-in-Chief when I was on active duty, uh, did not call my family. That was not a criticism. That was just to simply say, I don't believe President Obama called. That's not a negative thing. Uh, I don't believe President Bush called in all cases. Um, I don't believe any president, particularly when the casualty rates are very, very high, that presidents call. But I believe they all write. So when I gave that explanation to our president three days ago, um, he elected to make phone calls in the case of the four young men who we lost in Niger uh, at the earlier part of this month. But then he said, you know, what, how do you make these calls? Uh, if you're not in the family, if you've never worn the uniform, if you've never been in combat, you can't even imagine how to make that call. But I think he very bravely does make those calls. We're going to stop it there because that is fucking ridiculous. Because every other commander-in-chief who makes calls hasn't been embroiled in this type of controversy. And for John Kelly, a man of distinction and a noble military career, for him to say that those are tough calls, and if you don't have military experience or combat experience, it was very brave of Donald Trump to make those calls. Do not cheapen bravery by attaching it to Donald Trump making a goddamn phone call. Next, you're going to be calling him a hero for having done it, for having done his job. It's the least that he can do. If you're going to do it, I'm not saying you have to call everyone. But if, you're, if you choose to do it, do it right. Console the family member. Thank them on behalf of our country. Don't fuck it up. Don't drop the ball because you're a child who can't string cogent thought together. Enough to be empathetic and compassionate in the, the darkest day that this woman's ever faced on her way to go receive the corpse of her husband. John Kelly should be ashamed of himself. Uh, the call in question uh, that he made yesterday, um, or day before yesterday now, were to four family members, the four fallen. And remember, there's an extra kin designated by the individual. If he's married, that's typically the, the spouse. If he's not married, that's typically the parents, unless the parents are divorced. And then he selects one of them. If he didn't get along with his parents, he'll, sit, he'll select a sibling. But the point is, the phone call is made to the, um, the next of kin only if the next of kin agrees to take the phone call. Sometimes they don't. So a pre-call is made, the President of the United States or the Commandant of the Marine Corps or someone would like to call, will you accept the call? And typically they all accept the call. So he called four people the other day and expressed his condolences in the best way that he could. And he said to me, what do I say? Uh, I said to him, sir, there's nothing you can do to lighten the burden on these families. But let me tell you what I tell them. And what, let me tell you what my best friend, Joe Dunford, told me. 
because he was my casualty officer. He said, Kel, um, he was doing exactly what he wanted to do when he was killed. He knew what he was getting into by joining the, that 1%. He knew what the possibilities were because we're at war. And when he died, in the four cases we're talking about in Azure, my son's case in Afghanistan, when he died, he was surrounded by the best men on this earth, his friends. That's what the president tried to say to, a fam to four families the other day. I was stunned. I'll tell you why I'm stunned, General John Kelly. That you're standing there making excuses for defending a man who doesn't have the intellect, doesn't have the understanding of communicating to know that there's a difference between a fellow Marine telling you, a Marine, about your Marine son. There is camaraderie there. There's a shared experience, a shared understanding, a bond of brotherhood between service members, especially among Marines. For Donald Trump to use the same type of language to another civilian is inappropriate. You understand deeply what he means when he says he knew what he was he knew what he signed up for because he 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 had that sense of duty and honor. That's something that's 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 pounded into Marines. He was speaking Marine language from one service member, one Marine to another. Donald Trump is a five-time draft-dodging coward who doesn't have what it takes to use that kind of language, not just to another to a service member, but a civilian widow who again is suffering immensely it's kind of like those moments where you can make fun of your friend but if someone makes yes. fun of your friend for something that you can make fun of them for even if it's a vulnerable part of their life it's not okay when a stranger does yes it. yeah <laughs> you do not say that you're not allowed to say it well, i'm allowed to say it they could say that that's what he signed up for because it applies to all of them yeah it's what the casualty officer, it's also what he signed up for, quote unquote. John Kelly, same for him, same for the son. They all share that in common. Donald Trump clearly doesn't share that in common because he's a five-time draft-dodging coward with a sore foot. He's also, in other areas, demonstrated his inability to really grasp the reality of these situations. Yes. Like when um, he was given the Purple Heart yeah. by, oh, by always, a supporter. I always wanted one of these. Yeah, this is a much easier way to get one, and he laughs. Okay, that's that's disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> that's not okay for for him to joke about i mean you 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 don't have any like personal experience with this and because you don't it comes off as mockery and he should be smart he's a 70 year old man taking away the, the, that he's the president he's a he's lived 70 years of life 71 years of life come on if he is this master negotiator, that's about communication. He clearly doesn't get it. John Kelly continues. When I came to work yesterday morning and brokenhearted at what I saw a member of Congress doing 
member of Congress who listened in on a phone call from the President of the United States to a young wife, and in his way tried to express that opinion. He's a brave man, a fallen hero. He knew what he was getting himself into because he enlisted. There's no reason to enlist. He enlisted. And he was where he wanted to be, exactly where he wanted to be, with exactly the people he wanted to be with when his life was taken. That was the message. That was the message that was transmitted. It stuns me that a member of Congress would have listened in on that conversation. Absolutely stuns me. Bullshit. Because one, the widow herself asked for it to be put on speakerphone for everyone to hear. It is not up to you to decide who gets to listen to her phone call. She made the decision. And furthermore, Laura Trump and Eric Trump, people who are not a member of the administration, they are not government employees, they went on Fox with with Ainsley Earhart. What about country? the majority? Okay, the so majority. tired of protecting the minority. They went on with that individual and talked about how they read the transcript. This sacred moment that John Kelly is so, so just beside himself with disgust that someone else listened to the, to the phone call, listen to Laura Trump and her vampire husband, Eric, talk about it. Criticized for the conversation that he had with the Gold Star Widow. Yeah. What were your thoughts on that topic? I think it's disgusting. I mean, I, I think it shows the absolute worst of politics. Here's the President of the United States calling to express his condolences on behalf of an incredibly grateful nation, um, and people turn it into a political item. And um, to me, it's disgusting. You read the transcripts. What were well, your thoughts? From what I've seen, this is just a clear case of the media not doing their job. Whenever you read exactly what he said, he said, your husband went into battle you know, knowing that he could be injured, knowing that he could be killed, and he still did it because he loves this country and he did it for the American people. I can't think of a better way, quite frankly, to express my gratitude to someone than by saying something like that, and yet they conveniently leave off the last part of what was said. This man is a hero. There are no two ways about it. My father-in-law is the biggest champion of the military there is, and you know, we, we all in this country love and respect our military and no one more so than the president. What is- it is amazing how they all adopt that way of speaking. Yeah. He's the biggest champion of the military. Right. There's nothing that uh, can be used as evidence to validate that claim. And and yet they continue to say that. It is the strangest thing. That's, but- be- that's because to guys like this. Donald Trump, baby. That's all it takes. He hears that over and over and over, and it becomes fact. Yeah. So I do want to get to the fact that both of these people read the transcript. <laughs> Laura Trump. Um, but I also want to talk about Eric Trump using that phrase, the media is making it political. No, Donald Trump made it political when he was asked at the press conference. It's been 12 days. When are you going to comment on these deaths? Yeah, just say something. feeling vulnerable in that moment, feeling attacked by the press. Donald Trump, the child, needs to uh, comfort himself and protect himself from looking bad. Protect his little feelies, okay? And so he said... Well, I always call him, you know, the past presidents haven't called, you know, President Obama hasn't called. And 
Yeah. Now they're trying to play it as though he was just stating facts. He wasn't trying to um, be insulting or or say that he does something that other presidents didn't do. No, that is what he was trying to do. Donald Trump is smart enough to be manipulative. We've seen that. He's a liar. He's That's... smart enough to lie. Yeah. And lie skillfully. So in that moment, he was planting the little seeds, okay, to to make people think, oh, yeah, Donald Trump is my president, and he does make calls, and President Obama didn't make phone calls. Right. That's what those phrases are used for. Well, the media is doing reporting now, and Donald Trump doesn't call everyone. So he lied. He lied. Yeah. Again. Yeah. John Kelly continues. And I thought at least that was sacred. You know, when I was a kid growing up, a lot of things were sacred in our country. Women were sacred and looked upon with great honor. That's obviously not the case anymore, as we see from recent cases. Your boss is one of those cases, you fucking hypocrite. Grab him by the pussy, you anybody? You sickening facsimile. This is ridiculous. Women was sacred. Not anymore. Nope. Harvey Weinstein. Donald Trump outlined his favorite method by which he assaults women, has talked about going into the, the locker rooms, the changing area of teenage beauty pageant contestants because I owned it. You know, no one's going to say anything to me. Fuck you. You know, I, it, it's disgusting. I mean, there's so many problematic things that Donald Trump has done and said to women for him to <laughs> act as though he has the moral high ground in this issue while he's working for and defending Donald Trump. For how long now? How long has he been offering this defense of Donald Trump? Oh, yeah. Well, it's also, it's even holding Donald Trump, trying to act like Donald Trump holds women sacred. Those are his words. Come on. Come on. Who is believing that other than Donald Trump? Baby. Donald Trump's fan base. We got some Hillary bitches on here. Donald Trump's clownish, low-information voter base. Kelly continues telling us what things aren't sacred anymore. Life, the dignity of life, was sacred. That's gone. Religion, that seems to be gone as well. <laughs> Goals for our families. I think that left in the convention over the summer. Right there. Gold star families. I think that left during the convention over the summer. That, again, is Donald Trump right? maligning the Khan family. Well, you know, she, the wife, she didn't say anything. Maybe she couldn't say anything because she's a Muslim. So he's not only maligning them as gold star parents, he's also maligning their religion, which John Kelly wants to hold sacred. Or does he only want to hold Christian religion sacred? Because there are thousands of other religions, General Kelly. It's not just white Christianity that you need to protect the sacredness of. I just thought the selfless devotion that brings a man or woman to die on the battlefield, I just thought that that might be sacred. And when I listened to this woman and what she was saying and what she was doing on TV, the only thing I could do to collect my thoughts was to go and walk among the finest men and women on this earth. And you can always find them, because they're in Arlington National Cemetery. Went over there for an hour and a half. Walked among the stones, some of whom I put there, because they were doing what I told them to do when they were killed. 
And then he creates this imagery of him walking among the headstones in Arlington National Cemetery. Well, let me tell you something, General Kelly. If you did that for an hour and a half and you didn't walk away questioning what you're doing right now, working for Donald Trump, then you didn't think the right thoughts. You're not ascribing to those men and women who lie there, having given the ultimate sacrifice. You didn't think the right thoughts. You're not giving them the, 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 the nobility that they should have because Donald Trump disgraces their memory and their sacrifice every goddamn day that he makes it about him and not about them. When he tries to compare him, he tears down other presidents to try himself to, to try to make himself look more, more presidential or more dedicated to the job or better at the job. I'm very, very disappointed with John Kelly. Not that I'm super surprised because his his behavior at the, the Department of Homeland Security led me to believe this was going to kind of be the case. I said months ago, he's a follower. He's not a leader. He's not a General Mattis. He's a follower who happened to be promoted through the ranks to general. Donald Trump, he knows how to pick him. General Mike Flynn, General John Kelly. This is a bummer. Even McMaster, for a lot of reasons. That's a different show, different topic. Not good. Speaking of not good, let's move on. Talk a little bit about Donald, uh, about Bill O'Reilly. With all this Harvey Weinstein and all these other allegations that are coming out, more information about Bill O'Reilly is coming out and uh wow yeah so i'll read a little bit from the new york times article that is um ruining his life he he just doesn't understand why the new york right. times keeps attacking him he's very confused so this is from the new york times article that was published on the 21st last january six months after fox news outed its chairman amid a sexual harassment scandal the network's top rated host at the time bill o'reilly struck a 32 million dollar agreement with a longtime network analyst to settle new sexual harassment allegations according to two people briefed on the matter obviously it's a large amount Although the deal has not yet been previously made public, the network's parent company, 21st Century Fox, acknowledges that it was aware of the woman's complaints about Bill O'Reilly. They included allegations of repeated harassment, a non-consensual sexual relationship, and the sending of gay pornography and other sexually explicit material to her. It was the it was at least the sixth agreement and by far the largest made by either Bill O'Reilly or the company to settle harassment allegations against him. Despite that record, 21st Century Fox began contract negotiations with him and in February granted him a four year extension that paid him 25 million a year. Breaking news now in the same week that the hashtag MeToo is empowering women all across the country to tell their stories of sexual harassment. The New York Times is reporting today that former Fox News host Bill O'Reilly settled a sexual harassment claim to the tune of $32 million back in January with a longtime Fox News legal analyst. Fox News went on to re-sign O'Reilly just a month later for a $25 million a year contract before eventually firing him in April. Here's what O'Reilly told NBC News about the sexual allegations against him just this last month. 
My conscience is clear. What I have done is organized a legal team to get the truth to the American people. But I can go to sleep at night very well knowing that I never mistreated anyone on my watch in 42 years. I want to bring in CNN senior media correspondent and host of Reliable Sources, Brian Stelter. Uh, so the first question that comes to mind is how is 21st Century Fox responding to this? And did they know that he had settled this, uh, he had made the settlement to the tune of $32 million for sexual harassment before they re-signed him? The company says it knew about the settlement, but not about the price tag. Okay. That's the difference, according to the company. Here's part of the statement we've just received from 21st Century Fox, Rupert Murdoch's sprawling media company. It says in part, when the company renewed Bill O'Reilly's contract in February, it knew that a sexual harassment lawsuit had been threatened against him by Lee Wheel, uh, but was informed by Mr. O'Reilly that he had settled the matter personally on financial terms that he and Ms. Wheel had agreed were confidential and not disclosed to the company. The statement goes on to say that his new contract, which was made at a time typical for renewals of multi-year talent contracts, added protections for the company specifically aimed at harassment, including that Mr. O'Reilly could be dismissed if the company was made aware of other allegations or additional relevant information was obtained in a company investigation. The company subsequently acted based on the terms of this contract. So this is personal from his own pocket. Yeah. Uh, this was not the company paying out. $32 million. Right, which is why in the New York Times article they say that <laughs> the this is problematic because both Bill O'Reilly has been paying out in response to the allegations and his company. But while they um, fired or got rid of Ailes, they were still trying to maintain this image that Fox News was cleaning up, right? That that their employees didn't have anything to worry about, that they were going to change the culture at Fox News. While behind the scenes, they were given this information about this $32 million payout and then continued contract negotiations with O'Reilly. Yeah. So... That seems problematic while they're trying to say, oh, no, we're going to improve the culture here. Oh, no, we're desperately trying to hang on to this problematic employee that we keep having to pay several million dollars in order to get rid of these claims. Some estimates are $100 million in settlements. So Bill O'Reilly is unhappy about this article. And he has gone on the defense because he is promoting a new book. He is going on different Fox News programs, trying to promote the book. He's trying he's, to get another TV deal, too. And he's trying to get another... He's trying to get back. Yeah. He's trying to get back to where he used to be. And he feels as though this is an attack on him, trying to prevent him from getting that deal. So, the New York Times talked to him again, and he was not happy. We have physical proof that this is bullshit. Bullshit. Okay. So it's on you if you want to destroy my children further, all right? Because it's all crap. Why don't you be human beings once? This is horrible. It's horrible what I went through. Horrible what my family went through. This is crap. And you know it. It's politically and financially motivated. And we can prove it with, with shocking information. <laughs> Sounds like he's protesting a little too aggressively, if you ask me. Yeah. Shocking information. <laughs> Shocking, Brittany. Well, listen, this is another Donald Trump move. If you have physical proof that this is all bullshit. No, 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 well, no. It's not physical proof. Shocking information. Shocking information. Where is it? <laughs> 
That's exactly right. Where is it? You could end it all right now, right? You're sitting right in front of the reporters that wrote the article. They sat down with you. Why are you making these claims? Why are you not providing it? That is a good question. Yeah, it's a great question. But, and it won't be answered <laughs> because there is no shocking information. And I don't, shocking information. I don't understand why this is a thing that people are allowed to say and no one is ever like, wait, but well, where is it? Where is it then? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why are you just saying that? It seems more useful to actually like bring it in with you or have it with you. It, I also, his, his very aggressive, intimidating timbre of his voice is... Par for the course for a bully. Yeah. Also, don't bring your children into this. Yeah. You're the one who is sexually harassing women, paying out money in response to these allegations. $32 million you decided to pay out. Yeah. If they're embarrassed, if your children are embarrassed, as well they should be, it's because you did it, not because it got found out, Bill O'Reilly. Ugh. Are we still supposed to say that they are allegations? Because he hasn't been convicted, right? So we're, we're, No. We... Oh, that's a good point. No, no. That's great. That leads us into the next clip with Megyn Kelly and Juliet Huddy and the lawyer. Yes. So Megyn Kelly is on the Today Show now. <laughs> and <laughs> she... You laugh. She... Well, there's been a lot of talk about how her ratings aren't very good. Yeah. In fact, they're bad. So... She spent a lot of time on her show today talking about Fox News, Bill O'Reilly specifically, uh, revealing emails that she sent to top brass at Fox News that she hadn't revealed before in order to, from my from my view, uh, <laughs> help with the ratings a little bit because yeah, this yeah, is yeah. a popular topic. Sure. Um, but she also sat down with a former colleague at Fox News, Huddy. Yeah. And a lawyer who represents many of the women that have ongoing cases against Fox News for sexual harassment. Yeah. And they talked a little bit about the situation. Well, two people at the heart of the sexual harassment uh, embroiled, embroiled in the sexual, sexual harassment scandals at Fox News are Doug Wigdor. He's an attorney handling 22 claims against Fox News. And Juliet Huddy, who's a former Fox News anchor who accused Bill O'Reilly of misconduct. Thank you both so much for being here. Juliet, good to see you. <laughs> good to see you. I'm trying to keep it together. I can't believe I'm getting so emotional. I know. We that was together. amazing, by the way. Thank you. We worked together for years, as did Bill and I, as did you and Bill. And it's hard. It's hard. It's hard talking about this. You say, I can tell that you're affected by it. Right? I mean, I, it, yeah. It's women who, women who have to deal with this type of stuff. It's everything you said is, is so true. The fear of of lawyers, no offense, you know, going up against corporate attorneys, you know, people who are trained at Harvard and educated at Yale and Oxford. And you know that you're just this one person that's about to go up against literally a machine. And it is daunting and it's frightening. And it, it's, it kind of, it, it holds you back from taking action sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not just, you know, I, I talked specifically about the, the media relations chief at Fox News, uh, with whom I got along for years. Uh, until I didn't back else. And then things changed. And women everywhere understand that they can be shamed. They can not only be sued, they can be shamed in ways that have fingerprints on it and that do not have fingerprints on it, Doug. Yeah. I mean, Irina Briganti, who you mentioned in your, your very powerful piece before we came on, 
um, has been doing this for years, and she's still there. That's part of their playbook. They have a big playbook, but that is definitely a central part of it. I mean, she has outed actual victims who, uh, like Scotty Hughes, who accused Charles Payne of rape and who's now on the air, Charles Payne. She outed her to a tabloid. But really, when you look at the story, and it was an excellent piece of journalism by Emily Steele and Mike Schmidt at the New York Times, but when you look at that piece, the hubris that Fox showed by knowing all of the sexual harassment victims and what was going on, to not only renew Bill O'Reilly's contract, but they gave him a pay raise to boot. It is just incredible. And there were they claim the Fox News claims that it knew he had settled with lease, but it didn't know the terms. Well, um, if you in the, in the Times article, they say they had a copy of the term sheet, which in, for lawyers speak is sort of the essential terms of the agreement, but without the dollar value. There's a lot we still need to know. What did the executives, what did the Murdochs know and when did they know it? And what efforts have they taken to actually um, deprive shareholders, the public, and, uh, and the government, the U.S. Attorney's Office? Because one of the things that we saw in, that, uh, in the affidavit, for instance, or in the term sheet, was that evidence was destroyed um, as part of this agreement. In other words, let's settle the claim and you get rid of all the emails and the text messages that we Ex- ever exchanged with one another. Exactly. Another. And so it makes it easy. Bill O'Reilly can come on Matt Lauer's show and say, all the, you know, my 42 years, it's been great and, you know, nobody's ever accused me of any wrongdoing. Well, if you're paying off victims, you're holding money over their head for years, stringing it out over years, buying them to confidentiality, and then the evidence is destroyed that is a serious but, but even, problem. I mean, the truth is that that ignores the whole argument ignores the realities of what life was like at Fox News when it came to the Human Resources Department and and, and the general counsel who's now gone. Um, that was not a viable option in the eyes of most of the women there. It well, was controlled by Ailes. A lot of people feel um, that human resource. I mean, if I, I bet if I take a poll of the audience, when you think of Human Resources Department, many of us think of them as sort of protecting the bosses, not protecting the employees, which is what they're supposed to be there for. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, that's an intimidating factor. And it's also a reason that maybe women don't go to the human resources department because they don't think they're going to be backed up. They feel like when they walk out of the department, they're going to have a bullseye on them and they're going to be labeled troublemaker. Mm-hmm. Like that maybe somebody else will fire at. And maybe it's not HR. Maybe, it, maybe it's the press. Maybe it's somebody who deals with it. There's all sorts of ways that they can retaliate without you have, being able to prove it. And again, companies, you know, corporations are machines. They have, again, lawyers. They have the human resources departments, everybody working for them. And so when they, when they have an employee go rogue, you know, you know that you're probably going to be facing, I'm not speaking specifically about myself, but you know that you're going to be facing a machine, a behemoth coming after you mm-hmm. and probably not too concerned about your reputation and or your pa- future. And, and that retaliation is part of the playbook. When people complained at Fox News, they were retaliated. We, we represent Lydia Uchik, who's a local Fox 5 news reporter. She complained. She, she stood up. She said that she was discriminated against because she disclosed her pregnancy. To this day, she still works there, but they're, they're retaliating against her. We represent Jessica Gallagher, who's a radio correspondent. The day after she complained, she was fired. But I and want to say, I want to stay, I'll just make, well, make, make clear, I practiced law for 10 years, too. These are allegations. They're yet unproven. Fox News hasn't had its day in court, and it gets to have that. And even... Even un- invalid claims can be settled, you know, just to get rid of them um, so people don't have to deal with the nonsense of litigation. The reason, one of the reasons the lease wheel settlement has made such headlines is because $32 million is not nuisance value. That's a huge number. 
I love this phrase. <laughs> yeah. Not nuisance value. So normally you would want to pay out some money because you don't want to go through the hassle of a trial and uh, it's, it's not going to be worth it to you. So you just pay out some money so you don't have to deal with the, the nuisance. And that's what Donald, or excuse me, other sexual harasser. Uh, that's what Bill O'Reilly's been asserting this entire time, that because he's such a giant star, he's a target, and women are falsely accusing him, and it's not worth the effort and the other monies that would be spent on lawyers, so he settles. Yes, but this is a lot of money. Out of his own pocket, this $32 million. And it is unfortunate that part of the deal included deleting evidence yeah because then he does get to say there I'm, is none i bet that it is still recoverable through through the their cell carriers mm-hmm. maybe not the the emails but certainly the cell if there's texts there's records of that you would think i mean well, it's been years maybe not yeah i mean you have to be like yeah i'll delete this wink <laughs> But it's, Here it's I interesting go. <laughs> that Bill O'Reilly didn't cut her a check for thirty-two million. It's like if you win the lottery and you take the payments, she's so the settlement is still contingent upon her silence. And if she decides to come out, then he doesn't have to pay her anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a bummer. Yeah, it's a bummer. So that unfortunately is where we're going to leave you today. Well, no, I want to say one thing. All right, because how? What is it going to take? For people to say, you know what? We're done with Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. We're not going to have him on the show. We're not going to continue to entertain this. You mean right? the, the same people who are who are justifiably angry about Harvey Weinstein, but who think Bill O'Reilly's the second coming? Yeah. There's an article in National Review, and it's title, entitled, the, It's Time for Bill O'Reilly to be Weinsteined. Yeah. Meaning all of these people that are still supporting him and to, wanted Harvey Weinstein to be taken down. Well, what about him? How many allegations do you need to hear about? How many payouts do you need to hear about? Yeah. Before you go, huh? Yeah. Maybe we're done with this. The hypocrisy of it is shocking to me. It is disconcerting that they're able to live in that level of cognitive dissonance. Cause that's what this is. It's 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 willful and shameful ignoring because that guy's on your team because of in-group bullshit. Bizarre. So that is where we'll leave you. Yes. Is that can we do it now? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. Oh I get a little excited. That's prick shit. So we will see you next time. Episode 350 is next up. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. It's like, oh, I've got the button. I can say that. Yeah. But if it's not there, I'm like, oh, I don't want Brittany to be associated with that. All right. This is concerning. <laughs> we have a moral dilemma. 